0: Looking Phoenix from high above in the Star Worldwide Network studios, Badge Boys. <laughs> Stories, insight, guests, and true blue humor with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. And now, here they are, the Badge Boys.
1: Welcome back to another edition of the Badge Boys, the show where two retired cops talk to the community. I'm retired crime stopper sergeant Darren Birch. I'm retired Phoenix police officer Jason Schechterly. And we have a very special international podcast with a... Guess who is a law enforcement expert, trainer, educator out of Canada. We're going to find out what our nice north neighbors feel about what's going on just south of the border, and are they having issues as well? We'll find out. You may be surprised. And then in the cop talk, we're going to talk about black police chiefs either being fired, resigning, leaving. Is Black Lives Matter, or BOM as I like to call it, hurting the black police officers and chiefs of our nation? And then in the last second, we're going to have stupid suspect stories. We're going to have a heroic headlines. And, of course, Jason's always inspirational closing message. So stay
0: tuned, stay informed. And most of all, you're going to be entertained. More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. We'll be back right after this. I remember the moment. moment. I'll never forget that moment. As long
2: as I live. As long as I live. Several of us were working to rescue a family. The house collapsed on top of the cellar door and trapped them. We had to use Humvees and heavy machinery to move massive trees and debris.
0: We got them out. We helped a lot of people out. It felt good to know I could really make a difference. Because I'm a citizen soldier in the National Guard. Be there the moment your community needs you. Learn more at NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Arizona National Guard, aired by the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. Move over, AZ. Arizona's Move Over Law requires
3: you to move over or slow down when you drive past any vehicle pulled over with flashing lights.
0: Remember, every vehicle, every time. Move over, AZ.
2: Sponsored by ADOT in partnership with the Arizona
0: Broadcasters Association and this station. You're listening to Badge Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now back to the Badge Boys.
1: Jason, during my 30 years uh, I've, in police work, I found that one thing is true. Criminals don't obey borders. <laughs> if there's something going on in our precinct or our city, it's going to spill over into another city. Have you noticed that? Of course. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's a given. But I've never thought about what it's like as a country. And we all, this problem, not all the problem, because we're having issues everywhere, but especially in Portland, especially in Seattle, especially in Chicago, especially in Wisconsin, the the northern part of the United States. Uh Have you ever thought about, is Canada feeling this? Are they having issues as well? Is it spilling over? Or has it always been there? Or is Canada that perfect country where nothing bad ever happens? I
3: think I've always (laughs) grown up thinking Canada is that perfect country know, and then right? and then on my visits there you find out that the the rumors the clichés all that is actually true these are the kindest warmest nicest individual plus you have a country that is so vast and you have areas that uh, like the United States is just so congested and you're going to have a lot of shit bags running around committing crimes you when you think about canada i've I, I yeah i just always think of it as the perfect place and i'm sure too. it's
1: not and we're going to find uh, out
3: and i'm sure it's not in big cities like you know i love toronto and vancouver and i'm sure there's other places but uh canadians I, love hockey and so do uh, i so there <laughs> go well i love canadians uh for <laughs> a lot of reasons thank you but, i'm part canadian uh, yeah i they are truly the kindest people but uh, and you know what? If I could come back in another life and you said, Jason, what do you want to do in law enforcement? It would be, it wouldn't even, I wouldn't even have to think about it. I would be with the uh, Mounties. I was just going to say Are Canadian, Canadian Mounties. Cra- I can't even imagine what a great job that I want to wear be.
1: that red suit. I want to
3: wear the uniform. Yeah, I want to wear the
1: uniform. Uh, we have, it's talking about loving, you're going to love our next guest, uh, Adam and He is director of the International Law Enforcement Training Summit and Tactical Breakdown Podcast. Uh, As the producer of the Tactical Breakdown Podcast and a former infantry officer with the Canadian Armed Forces, he's had the honor to work alongside some of the best military and law enforcement instructors and educators in the world. Uh, Now he's located in Winnipeg, and uh, he's interviewing and speaking on the podcast, and he also spends a lot of his time with training and coaching and consulting for security agencies across Canada. He's also an accredited instructor And trainer under both the Justice and Solicitor General for Alberta and the Manitoba Department of Justice. He is also an active member of the International Law Enforcement Educators and Trainers Association. A lot said about a great guy. Adam, welcome to our show.
2: Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me. This
1: is gonna be fun. Oh, absolutely. Because again, you're right now you're talking to the clueless, me. Uh, Jason also believes what I think, so I we may I may be lucky what is Canada like? Before we get into the weeds and talk about what's going on in Portland and so forth, uh, it, it, d- either dispel the myth that Canada is a perfect place, uh, or is it truly heaven on earth?
2: No, you're right. We are perfect. And- <laughs> yes! yes. Well Sad. <laughs> so, no, here's the deal. If people don't realize there's there's a lot more similarities between Canada and the United States that, that people understand, um, and a lot of what happens in the U.S. directly affects what happens up here in Canada. Obviously, we have different laws. We have our, our communities are, are set up a little bit differently. We don't have a, as much of the political um, parties ingrained into, into the culture as much as you do in the U.S., but for the most part, it's, we're kind of a, a microcosm of what you see in the U.S., um and uh yeah so it's it'll be a really interesting conversation i'm excited to uh to share what's going on up here and um and kind of around the world as well
1: you know when everything started happening in about 2015 that's when i kind of noticed this paradigm shift of uh anger um uh, pitted against law enforcement not just law enforcement but the judicial system as a whole and i uh, And you're in training and educating, so you get this. You always have to reinvent law enforcement. It has to be reflective of the community. So I get that through 30 years of career where we did certain things in the 80s that changed from the 90s and that changed in 2000 and so forth. But what I saw was a true, genuine um, movement by certain individuals uh, that were pitted against law enforcement, wanting to make law enforcement the bad guy. And unfortunately... Um, that was assisted by something that we need, which is transparency in terms of the body cameras that helped aid them in their false narrative. That's my humble opinion. Did you see that coming out of America? Is that what you saw? Or did you see something playing out totally different?
2: It's been interesting up here in Canada, for sure. Um, I mean, we can start by talking about this whole defund the police movement, um, it's not we're not immune to it just so just so whatever in the u.s is aware um every one of our major cities is has had protests um we haven't broken out we haven't had any real riots yet there's been real no violence or looting but you there guys have are been too kind to defund- <laughs> yeah. yeah you're too well, kind to hurt had-
1: each other <laughs> yeah you guys are shoplifting. Yeah, yeah, you canadian yeah, shoplifting yeah, yeah, the looting yeah. you're way too kind here's, so that doesn't surprise
3: well, me
2: well here's Here's The difference, I mean, it, I guess it comes down to a, a cultural difference, uh, but I mean, let's talk about, for example, uh, let's talk about Australia for a second. Um, I, had the, I had the opportunity to speak with um, one of the public order unit commanders uh, in Australia went for our International Law Enforcement Training Summit. We talked about public order. And in their in their cities and in, in their communities, if somebody wants to ha- hold a protest or anything like that, they actually submit to the city and say, we would like to host a protest on this day. Um, and then they have to submit it seven days in advance. And the police can say, this works for us or this doesn't work for us. And a lot of the times, if they say it doesn't work for us, the organizers go, okay, we'll just switch it to a different day. Um, and then they go through that process and find one that works for both parties, and then they have their protest. Um, now, that doesn't happen all the time, and obviously with BLM and, and everything that happened, they had some um, gatherings spurred up that they had to react to that, that weren't planned, but it was few and far between. Um, and we're finding kind of – we don't have that system quite set up in Canada, but we find that these – we know a little bit more about what's going to happen uh, before – like we know that the gathering is going to happen we have our our uh officers in our agencies have such great relationships um, and actively work to to meet and coordinate with these uh the members and the leaders of these organizations and we say hey listen is there anything going on um they're like yeah we're going to be doing this tonight or whatever it is and they have that relationship so at least they have a little bit of a heads up and so that's and that goes into the community policing model that um i mean it has to be pushed forward moving forward and we can get into training later, but it's, it's interesting to see how it's happening and then watching it happen and unfold in the United States is a completely different story. Um, and we kind of sit back and go, Oh, wow, that's, uh, hopefully that doesn't make its way up here because, um, it's, uh, it's pretty disheartening to watch, um, just over, over the news, over social media. And, um, and then of course you have the political spin that happens um, on both sides. So it's uh, it's really interesting to watch from like the 10,000 foot view up here in Canada, and uh, and hopefully everything plays out well uh, in the months to come. So
1: yeah, I I think you're right in terms of you have that overview where you can kind of look and kind of um, see from a, a unbiased perspective in a sense um, when you look at what's happening here, and you're having protests as well, just not to the same um, you know degree extremity um is it your protest based on what's happening in america or is your protest based on what's happening in canada and they're just doing like type like-minded you know same time period or is it are they protesting george floyd you know say her name brianna taylor what's your protest like
2: yeah i haven't really taken a deep dive into that so much um just with everything that's going on on our end um we're choosing to focus on how we can change it and make things better. So I haven't really been watching what's going on, but from my understanding, it's not so much that we're not picking out the individual um, names, right? It's not like we're, it's not the, like the protests here, protesting George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Jacob Blake, whatever the newest thing is. It's a lot of it is we, just like the united states there is racism built into to what we have in canada even in our police forces um one of the biggest pushes that we have um is with our indigenous population up here in canada so the the first nations people they have the same types of um history in a way that the black uh, african americans do in the united states not to the same degree obviously but it's, it's been that systemic um oppression by the government over a period of time obviously in the past uh, that has now again led to to those types of things so there's a lot of that that's built into these uh discussions when it comes to defund the police um you know and then of course it's it's the same stuff it's the systemic racism argument uh it's the police brutality and violence argument um where there's you know for example we have videos that come that you guys won't see in the united states but, you know, you talk about the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, um, there's videos of uh, an officer uh, making an arrest on a uh, chief from a, an Aboriginal community, um, and they ended up putting a few more shots onto him than they probably should have, and um, that made national news. And again, that comes to the, you know, uh, police use of force and all of these different things, and that they take that, they add it into what's happening in the United States, and then there, this defund, the police movement springs up. And we have like the Black Lives Matter Canada. We have all of that up here as well. But we find that it's all rolling into itself um, when, when these protests happen. So.
1: And when these protests happen in America, what we're seeing, especially in Portland, more than some of the other cities, you have someone kind of exploiting that, um, those protests in regards to racism. They're protesting for anarchist purposes. I'm speaking of Antifa. We have this organization, and their whole purpose is to kind of rile. They're the ones that break the windows and then let the looters rob. Do you have that sort of thing? Or do you have anarchists at play as well?
2: Uh, I, I don't want to speak out both sides of my mouth here, but I would say from from what I've seen, not not to anything close to the degree that you guys have. Um, we haven't. I haven't personally seen it, and um, no so I would say does. no.
3: No country has, has it to the degree well, that we have it.
2: Yeah, it, well, it's it's interesting. And, I mean, again, you look at I, – I don't ever – just like on my podcast, I don't talk about political things very often um, because I'm not an expert in it by any means. But uh, it seems to be, obviously, that looking at it again as a third party, a lot of what's happening is very politically motivated um, in the United States.
3: And yeah. And so – it's one hundred. Listen, think, I'm just going to tell you, I, I want you to continue. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, Adam. But without a doubt, here in the United States, everything that you see on our media, everything that you hear out of people's mouths, there's not even a question. It is 100 percent. The box is filled in politically motivated and fits a narrative, an agenda, or an echo chamber. 100% in the United States. And that is our number one problem. More politicians have killed more people than any police officers or any criminals. They just haven't done it with their, their hands. They've done it with their rhetoric and their, and their policies. So you don't be shy about saying, yeah, you're not, you're not sure. I, I guarantee you, in America... It's 100% politically driven.
1: When you talk about that view from 10,000 feet, I think that's perfect analogy in terms of, you know, you, I've always tell Jason, uh, I hate it when people live in a bubble. And politically speaking, people are in their bubble here in America. You're, you're either on the left or on the right, and there's no gray in between. And I always joke that I love being on the fence on many issues because you can see both sides clearly from that vantage point, that 10,000 feet fence. What is your vantage point And what is it you see in terms of Uh, the turmoil and what you hope doesn't happen in Canada.
2: Well, it's interesting. Uh, Just so everyone's aware, our news isn't unbiased up here in Canada either. Uh, It's nothing to the extent that you guys have uh, in the United States, but I even go outside. So when I look at news and I want to get information on what's happening in Canada or the United States, I go to either Australian or British news channels. Um, Love it. um, and and, And the reason being is because they're very good at saying, you know, here is what this side is saying. Here is what the other side is saying. Here is what our embedded reporters on the ground are reporting what they're actually seeing, and you get this this multi angled view. And they say you put it together yourself.
1: I love that it. That is
2: and, and and so when I get news, that's where I go. Um, so it's it's interesting to watch what's happening, especially in a riot, for example, in uh, in like Minneapolis or um, or wherever something could happen. You know, it's like here's what they're showing on Fox. Here's what they're showing on CNN. Here's what the reporter on the ground is saying, which is different than what <laughs> both of the, the actual national news stations are saying. And so it's like, make your own decision here. And, um, and you know, overarching, the overarching thing that I see is, one, I think there's a realization. It doesn't matter if you're in law enforcement, if you're an emergency responder, um, if you're in politics, anywhere, any just a general person living their life you, we understand that there has to be some type of change in the way that we do policing. And, and not just in the United States, but in Canada and everywhere else around the Agreed. world. That, and and here's, the, here's the funny thing, though, is that, this and this ties directly into, this will be a great segue into what we want to talk about training, but we talk, it's it's really funny to me to watch all of this defund the police, and it's like we're, and it's like in the same breath, somebody will be like, "We need better trained police that know what they're doing, and they have a better hiring process, so we don't get these racist people in here, and we want to cut your budget fifty percent."
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and it's like, it's like, it's do you affable. not realize? Do you not realize where the money for that comes from? Um, and so it's 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 entertaining, it's also sad, right? It is. It's disheartening to see, but. I think we understand, as a as a law enforcement community, it doesn't matter if you train law enforcement, if you're sworn, uh, if you're retired, we all understand that there are problems, right? There's There's no industry that doesn't have problems. There's no industry or business that doesn't have things that they could improve or make better. And that's exactly how I see law enforcement today, not just in the United States, but around the world. And so our main goal, and what I've been trying to do over this past few months, is, is really shine a light on exactly what you said, is that getting outside your bubble. Um, I love that phrase. I use it all the time myself. Uh, and training, and, and when I use it, I basically say, I, I like to call it an inbred training model. So we know when, like, a police department, where they'll have their cadre of instructors that were trained by the instructors before them, that were trained by the instructors before them, that have followed the same policy and procedure manual for the last 30 years, and they teach the same thing, the same techniques over and over and over again. And I think we've seen now where that leads us. Um, what, what we've really been trying to do is say, get outside the box. You know, when we put on this international event, there's a reason why I had experts from Australia, from the UK, from Canada, from the United States, from all around the world. And we said, listen, this—we know that you may not be able to take what they're teaching in Australia and implement it into a, a, a small town police department in Iowa. Because of the laws, policies, procedures, everything like that, that has to be changed. But if you're an instructor and you see that there's a different way to skin the cat, that they're doing something that, and you pick that one piece of information out and you go, I could implement this, change it how I have to to meet our, to fit within our requirements for our department, but it's going to help our officers do their job better. That's, that to me is a, a massive win. And that's what we're trying to do across the board in, with all of this Defund the Police movement, we're saying we can still deliver the top quality training. We just have to find a creative way to do it. And so that's, uh, that's really what we're putting together right now.
3: Yeah, Adam, this and you bring up two great points in there that I, I'd like to get your opinion on. And uh, I want to know, you know kind of how you do things in Canada. And if you listen to our podcast, you know that I'm a little... My questions tend to be very long-winded, so try to keep up with me. I know you're very intelligent, but I have a hard time (laughs) shutting up until I get to the end of my question. (laughs) So I have two questions. Uh, What I'm noticing here, first of all, um, and I won't use uh, any names. I'll only use abbreviations, but the Phoenix Police Department (laughs) uh, had—I started there in 1999, and 20 years later, I— Found, I still teach at the academy. I found out they were still teaching a lot of the same models and doing a lot of the same scenarios that I was being trained on in 1999. And things change as time goes by. So why are we not doing current events was driving me bananas. Uh, so that's one thing I'd like to know about Canada. But then the other thing with what's going on in the media, with what's being said... In the general public, this we're, we're in such a down cycle. The hatred for police and and the fear and every cop is bad. Every cop wants to hurt you and hunt you down and kill you. What it does is it causes a lot of very qualified applicants, people who would be very good at our job, to shy away from it. And therefore, our gene pool becomes a little more shallow and... You end up hiring people who might not do the job as well as what you'd expect. And that fits in with the narrative of the media, the narrative of politicians, along with the defunding. How do you combat? Because all these people who want to make change and want to make law enforcement better, they don't understand in their infinite stupidity that they're going to make it worse because nobody is going to want the job that is the people who are qualified to do it. So if you can keep up with those two questions, I'd love to hear your opinion on it and what's going on up in Canada.
2: Yeah, I'm tracking what you're saying there, brother. So on your first, the first part of your question there, that what it comes down to, and this is, this is across the board, this is around the world, if it's not broken, why fix it? And that is, that is the training model that every agency and every department has been working on over the last 50 years. Um, that's, that's the problem. The problem Uh, is, is a
3: huge problem. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's it's why would we, why would we be proactive? Why are we going to spend dollars on something that we don't know is going to be efficient when we know that this has worked, we've never had an issue. And uh, so we're going to keep rolling the dice and, and, uh, and maintaining status quo. That's, that's the biggest battle that we have in law enforcement training is, There are amazing, amazing instructors in the United States, in Canada, and around the world that are leading the way and and revolutionizing training. Not just the the methodology methodology behind the teaching, um, but we understand now how to teach people. We understand how people retain knowledge. We understand that the block and silo training model doesn't work. And that we have to start building in these interleaved training models and more continuous training because we understand that the brain can only retain so much information at any given time. And there's different ways that people retain that information. You know, we've been using, it's funny, if you go to an academy right now, depending on where they are in the world, you'll see, you'll see training that they, like you said, that they conducted 20, 30 years ago. It's the exact same. And, we, you know, we talk about this all the time within our group of instructors is look at what world-class athletes are doing for training when it comes to physical training, right? And all of the sports psychologists and the physiologists and all of these things that they have around them, yet we're still saying if you're going to be a police officer, you just have to run a 1,000 laps during your academy training and you should be good. Do some pull-ups, do some sit-ups, you're fine. Yeah, no it's problem.
1: Fine get down and give me it's, 10
2: it's it's funny but it's it's we don't we have companies and governments spending billions of dollars on learning how to optimize human performance and we we seem to think it's okay to spend that money when it comes to a, a sport or entertainment but it's not okay when we to spend the money on people that actually have their lives on the line and so we're using stuff that's 20, 30 years old with them. But if it's a game that we can make money on and monetize, we're going to spend all of our money on that. Here's, here's the best part. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. All you need to do is open your eyes, power up Google, and type in, like, optimum sports training methodology. And then now you're going to have all this information. If you're an instructor at a police academy, you're, you're the tip of the spear. You're, if you want to run a PT session and implement something that's, that's new and, and revolutionary, you can do. if you're going to run it for a PT session, do that. If you're going to run it through your academy class, do that, document it, and then go to the, uh, your higher-ups and say, hey, listen, we tried this. We saw amazing results. Maybe we can look at implementing this in the future, and then start the process there. It starts with that individual coach, that instructor, that mentor, that FTO. It starts there. It's not going to start at the at, at the chief or the sheriff and work its way down because they have so many things that they're already worried. They're worried about their p- department being defunded. They don't care about the individual lessons that are being trained to the academy recruits. So it's
3: that is so to- scary to even say that sentence.
2: What is? But it's true.
1: Yeah, yeah. And when, we, when you hear the word reform, you always hear this word reform, which is a good word. I mean, I spent 30 years in law enforcement, and I saw the police change, the evolution of police work in terms of what they did in the 70s, from the 80s when I came on. Um, you they, saw
3: a change for I, the better, though. Would you? Would you argue with me? And, and I'm not. I'm trying not to be biased here. Obviously, I love. Phoenix PD, I was born and raised here, and that's who I worked for. But would you not argue with me that from when you started until now, Phoenix PD is a much better organization. Oh, I, I would say that's true. Board.
1: I would say that's true with... Police departments across the nation, and probably Canada, probably include. And here's why: from the '70s, from the '70s, there was a different mindset with police work. Police work was kick-ass, take names, and the the police yeah. reports were a paragraph long. Then in the '80s, there was a uh, a definite push towards community-based policing. Yes. here's where the paradigm shift cared, according to Life, according to Darren. <laughs> when 9-11 occurred and all of a sudden we had this intense movement towards tactical, which is understandable based on the threat that was going in yes. our infrastructures. Yes. We only understand that. But there was, like we we're talking about defunding, the there's only so much money and there's only so much oxygen in a room as far as training. And when all of a sudden this is pushed towards tactical, 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 and we kind of let the whole community-based policing go, I saw a bad paradigm shift towards more tactical minded which is a good thing don't get me wrong but i saw community-based policing kind of go out the window and this goes to what you were talking about um and when you talked about you had such a good rapport the the police out there can you weigh in is am i way off bounds or did you kind of see that and was that similar in canada
2: no you're 100 percent right the the interesting thing is that there's a dichotomy in policing that we don't talk about enough. And the the shift is, is that we are peace officers, but we're also law enforcement, right? Those are two totally different things. Yes.
3: And so say that loud and proud (laughs) guys. No, seriously, nobody ever says it that way. And I love that you just did that. No guest, and neither one of us have ever said that. That is a huge difference. You are a peace officer, but you are also Two hats. a law for- You didn't write the laws. You didn't create the laws. You didn't do anything, but you are tasked with enforcing those laws, and there is a difference. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but that was a powerful sentence, and people need to pay attention to that. So please go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly what it is. I mean – you're right in saying that there has been a shift to more of the tactical form of policing and the law enforcement model um where it's let's show up let's get the job done get it get that call completed as quickly as we can uh, submit the report move on to the next right that's and and the problem is is that budgets have have essentially forced our hand with that because with the budgets being decreased or limited or or frozen over the years you have less and less police to do more and more work. So it is to, to just get to the amount of calls that we have to get to, there's, we're going to lose something somewhere. And what happens is we switched from that, that peace officer model where we go to a call and the, the idea is to build rapport with the people first before making your decision on whatever the law enforcement task is or going to a call and assuming that there's even a law enforcement task to be conducted, you know. If you get a call and you go there, and it, you know what? It may take you an extra five minutes, but you could resolve the situation by having a conversation with two, two or three people and then, having, and then facilitating or moderating a discussion between themselves to a peaceful resolution. And then you say, okay, listen, if there's any more issues, we're going to come back and we'll have to deal with it another way, but we're going to give you the opportunity to be good human beings and members of this community. We're going to leave and see what happens. That doesn't happen often enough because we go there, we see something, we're like, this person committed this crime in this fashion, cuffs go on, pull one person out of the equation and take him to jail, right? It's like a bouncer at a bar. It's, you go to the, you go to a, if we walk into a fight, you're gonna grab one person out of that fight and you're gonna toss them out of the bar, the other person's gonna stay in the bar. It's just the way we've done it forever. It's the same thing in policing. It's just, we really have to start focusing on how do we create that better, relationship with the community and to go back to the question that you asked me previously that two-part question the second thing you asked about was recruitment essentially right how are we going to recruit new officers how are we going to get them to want to be police how are we not going to water down this the pool of applicants to where it's so subpar that we don't even want to take the people that are applying anymore how do we how do we avoid that and the answer is to change the narrative from the community Um, Real quickly, I know we're we're kind of running out of time, the one thing that happened with this International Law Enforcement Training Summit that we ran was we sent a bunch of marketing out, right? So we did a lot of ads and everything to everybody, um, and not all of those landed directly on the law enforcement officers. So we got some feedback from people, some really funny responses. So like we put something out like, get your free ticket to this event, and somebody would reply back, the only free ticket you're going to get is a speeding ticket, (laughs) um, which I thought was funny. Uh, but, but it would go from that to, like, um, what are you going to teach cops in this, uh, in this summit, how to kill somebody and get away with it, to all of, the, all of the different things that you can imagine. And there was even comments that Facebook pulled off before I could even see them. So you can imagine wow. what those said. Um, and so, but here's the difference. And I've made a very cognizant decision on this, um, which a lot of people haven't done yet that I've noticed. But every single time somebody left one of those negative comments, I would reach out to them directly, a DM from my account, and I would say, "Hey, Karen, you know, I understand your animosity. I understand that you why you're upset and why you would say this. What I would like to do is is personally invite you to attend all of the training that we're delivering. Um, I want you to see exactly what we're teaching police officers, what the best instructors in the world are teaching police officers today, because we're not." It's not like we're taking these new recruits and these officers and taking them down to a basement, sharing some type of secret information with them. and saying, don't ever tell anybody. That's not, that's not the way we do things. It's 99% of what we teach is transparent and transparency to go back to the overarching point that I'm trying to make here. It's that transparency with the community that's going to lead to, to a better result. Um, And it's, and it's understanding that through social media, through platforms like your podcast, through my podcast, through the summit, through everything, and all of our friends and colleagues that do the same thing, it's having that open dialogue and discussion, and having those tough discussions with the community, and saying, "Listen, I understand you're upset. Yeah, you're right. Lo- officers did fuck up in these situations. Pardon me, I don't know if I can swear in the show." Yes, yes you can. Can. <laughs> Thank you, God. You make make it. all I'm the so time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Finally, somebody said the fuck <laughs> in the effort.
2: They did finally. <laughs> <laughs> Took way too they, long. They screwed up in this way, but we acknowledge that. You saw this happen with it. the whole George Floyd. You saw this happen with George Floyd. There wasn't one. There isn't one officer in the world that watched that video and said. You know what? And they tried to justify it. Thank you.
1: Not one. Not one. We were were a single voice. We were a single voice. Hey, speaking of having a single voice, tell us about your podcast and where people can go and listen as well as your business where they can learn more. And we're going to have you back on because we could have 100 of these shows.
2: Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Uh, The podcast is Tactical Breakdown. uh, And you can find that at thebreakdown.ca.ca .ca uh, .ca, because obviously we're up here in Canada. Um, It's literally a podcast, if you're in law enforcement and you're in training, you're an instructor, It's that's really going to be the podcast for you, it's the largest law enforcement training podcast in the world. And The other neat thing that we just ran was the ILET Summit, the International Law Enforcement Training Summit, um, and the website for that is ILETSummit.com. We put together over 75 hours of video training content from over 45 of the world's top law enforcement and military instructors, guys like Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, Tony Blauer, Tim Kennedy. Um, and so many more. And so uh, we ran it live for free in July, uh, but you can still get all of that training and information by going to isletsummit.com. And um, it's a small fee, but all of that money is going to support charity to support uh, first responder and law enforcement and mental health. So, those are the two things that we got going on right now.
1: Fantastic! Awesome. Hey, awesome. Adam, uh, thank you so much. We've been talking with Adam Kanakin, the director with the International Law Enforcement Training Summit and the Tactical Breakdown Podcast. Thank you, sir, for being on our show and for all you're doing and for for spreading the word. And a uh, hey, Canada. Thank
0: you, guys. Thanks so much for having
1: me. We'll be right back.
0: More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. We'll be back right after this. Move
3: over AZ. Arizona's move over law requires you to move over or slow down when you drive past any vehicle pulled over with flashing lights. Remember, every vehicle, every time. Move
0: over, AZ.
2: Sponsored by Ada in partnership with the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station.
0: I'll never forget that never me. forget that moment. As long as I As live. long as I live. My first call-up ever as a member of the National Guard. When we
2: got to the armory, they briefed us on the wildfires. They were getting dangerously close to homes. Helicopters were going out to drop water on the fires. In the unit were preparing for firefighting with local fire crews. At that moment, I got my first taste of just how important the guard is to
0: my community. See how the guard can be an important part of your life at NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Arizona National Guard, aired by the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. You're listening to Badge Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Badge Boys.
3: Welcome back to Bad Boys, everybody! Awesome segment. My God, Darren, that guy, Adam, is—I uh, I mean, I love Canadians. But, Go Canada! But the, God, that guy is—he's uh, spot on. That is what we. On. That is what the the best compliment I can give. Uh, that guy is ten eight. He is as squared away as as you are going to find, and I and I love that. I can't wait to meet him in person. Uh, so, moving on to cop talk, and yes, we said. Uh, more than a year and a half ago, when we started this, that we were going to stay away from political stuff. But nowadays, you don't really have a choice. It's almost impossible. But well, you can't. And uh, we touched on it a little bit over the past, you know, five, six, eight weeks. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more because of what's happened this week. And it's the Black Lives Matter. And I always include the word movement. I think there is a BLM because black lives do matter. Every life matters. Yeah, or three beautiful words. And then there's the Black Lives Matter organization. Movement. Yes. And what you're seeing in that Disingenuous. is well it's just so hypocritical. Thank it you. it it is crazy. And what we're going to talk about today is what you saw on the same day you saw the chief of police in Rochester, New York and this is my favorite part his entire staff yes. left that's which, a statement and then i loved watching the rochester mayor's press conference because you could <laughs> see she was she was doing her best to get through this press conference but you could see in her eyes that she was like oh shit, have done, yeah, we have done screwed up and Rochester's <laughs> going to get a lot worse. And then you had the Dallas police chief retire uh, on the same day and the police chief in Rochester is a black male. The police chief in Dallas is a black female. So it just, again, furthers that the Black Lives Matter movement Black Lives Matter does not matter to them. It actually matters to us. And I see it. Look, I'm outside. I'm doing things all the time around the valley, around the country. And it is unbelievable to me how kind we are to each other. doesn't matter the race. It doesn't matter the gender. It doesn't matter anything. Then you go home at night, and if you accidentally news. mistakenly <laughs> stupidly turn on cnn which i do you would th- <laughs> because jesus christ only to keep everyone honest you, and say you would, nothing's being covered you would think we were in a civil war right now yes. and i'm like i just spent the entire day with a diverse group of people strangers and and there was nothing but kindness and compliments and respect and then you hear these stories and you're talking about people Who, you know, I get the systemic racism thing. I get the white privilege thing. I know what it means to me. I I have a clear definition of it. And I believe in all that stuff. But now we're talking about people who have risen up through the ranks because they're good people. They're good at their job. And now they are. colorless. And now they are leaving. Yes, because. and, And it is only going to exacerbate the problems in those cities because they are being run out and who are they going to be replaced with? So, uh, I know you got a couple of headlines, you got a couple of stories and then we will, uh, get, uh, or at least I would get a little more opinionated, so <laughs> go
1: go ahead Darren. well no you you're spot on when I mean, you talk about if the BOM and I always like to say BOM because I think they hijacked those three beautiful words uh, the organization did the movement did, and if your attempt is to abolish police, which they've made no secret about, right. they are succeeding uh, because they got rid of another Good police chief based on that city council, that mayor believing in that reddit. So the resignation of police chief Leveron Singletary came three days after the attorney general uh, announced that she would set up a grand jury to consider evidence in the death of this man. Uh, again, we're talking about um, positional asphyxia based on him having a spit sleeve over his shirt, uh, or excuse me, his head. And that spit sleeve, that spit hood, whatever you want to call it, is like a mask. We're all wearing yeah, masks Yeah, for all today. those people
3: who don't know what a spit sleeve is, do some goddamn research because <laughs> it does not asphyxiate anything. It's a mask. Anything. It if does not, asfix, it prevents. If
1: you're wearing N95, it's the
3: same thing. And you know what is
1: all we hear from these
3: politicians about COVID and distancing and don't breathe on <laughs> each other, but... Preventing somebody from spitting on somebody else, uh, apparently that's not a good idea. <laughs> These, do some research. These spit masks do not asphyxiate. I, I know what happened after that. Right, was a right. little. Uh, uh,
1: There's more. Little well, more not it. a
3: little. It was way too egregious. And, and, and that, that along with some underlying conditions led to this man's death. But the spit mask did not.
1: No, that is not what killed. No, no. this guy. And so I love his statement. His statement was quote As a man of integrity, I will not sit idly by while outside entities attempt to destroy my character." The police chief said this in a statement, and he later added, "The mischaracterization and politicization of the actions that I took after being informed of Mister. Prude's death is not based on facts. Is not what I stand for. Again, the media." is agenda driven uh then you had the dallas police chief renee hall who is resigning at the end of the year uh that was based on her agreeing she was ready to resign period Uh and she agreed with the uh, city manager that she would stay until the end of the year and quote i give her
3: credit she should she should have walked straight out and come to another department
1: yeah she quote quote this year has been tumultuous and uncertain a few more months of her leadership are key for a, Oh, I'm sorry. This is the uh, city manager, uh, are key for several projects for the seamless transition within a police department. Um,
3: seamless, my ass.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, this was basically. Uh, what does seamless
3: mean? What are you talking about? This is a politician talking. Those are, those are words. Seamless transition. What does that mean?
1: Darren, that's uh, me, politics. That's politics talk. Okay. That's all it is. That's all it is. And all this coincides in the two minutes I have left. Uh, all this coincides with 13 major cities that are defunding their police department. You heard it in the previous episode, if you want good reform, you want good police officers, If you want change. If you want all these great things, which they say they want. You can't utter the word defund or abolish. You, it's disingenuous. It's completely a lie. It's a false narrative because 13 cities are truly defunding the police departments, and we just named a couple of them. And we talked about And we haven't even talked about Chief Bess, who left, and she was one of the best.
3: Well, if Black Lives Matters, the organization actually cared about Black Lives Matter. Which they don't why do they not care about the successes of these individuals who rose up through the ranks to you're going to say that our country is racist and there's systemic racism yet these individuals are at the top of their careers and they're there for a reason because they were good at their jobs or good people. And then you back up to a story I saw yesterday 54 kids under the age of 12 have been murdered this year in the midst of these violent rioting protests. One was a one-year-old shot in his crib by somebody just with random gunfire. And you will never, ever, ever hear the Black Lives Matter movement talk about those black lives and
1: that and there's a reason for that. I,
3: but I don't understand the it. reason I don't, if black lives matter, why don't all black lives matter?
1: Because the reason is they want to abolish police. This is not black lives matter. This is we hate cops, we hate police organizations, we want to abolish police. And that is the first sentence in their agenda. And if you talk about these lives that are lost, then the people will realize, When you defend police, when you abolish police, crime rises. It's that simple. And lives will be lost, and there will be black as well.
3: Well, apparently those people have not been affected yet by their house being broken into, their car being stolen, or one of their loved ones being murdered and having no recourse toward justice or an investigation. And that's what the police officers are there for. So it it just simply makes no sense. I'm fine with... The protests. You know, I'm the first person to say Derek Chauvin in Minnesota. I, I mean, I want to kill him more than anybody in the world. The thing that happened in Kenosha, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a wonderful guy Jacob Blake is because he was a sex offender. He was violating a restraining order. However, I'm also... I, I want to know the facts. I, I don't know why, as a police officer, you would shoot somebody in the back seven times. We are trained to stop the threat. Assess. To to pull the trigger seven times takes a, an awful lot of effort. So I, I am anxious to hear yeah, the to results the of the, the investigation. I'm not, si- not going to jump to a conclusion. I'm not siding with Thank the you. police officer who did it, but I am willing to wait and hear the Results of this investigation, but the facts also are he was not where he was supposed to be. He was violating restraining order. He was, and is a criminal. Dominoes f- on and him. now none of that matters. What matters is a white cop shot him in the back, and he's paralyzed. And all of a sudden, he is a martyr and a good guy. That is bullshit.
1: Have you noticed that we the one thing that we don't discuss. The media has never talked about is one common denominator in almost every one of these things resisting arrest. They're all vowed arrests mm-hmm. and they all resisted arrest. That's where that first domino started to fall. And then it went bad. Did it go bad because police well, screwed up? Could be. Could but, be.
3: But the dominoes, where we're at right now, truly is the George Floyd thing. And when you look at that whole tape, George Floyd, I don't know what he was on. I, yeah, I don't know his underlying conditions. I do know what his crime was, which was r- relatively minor. He did ask to be removed from the car because of his claustrophobia. Derek Chauvin putting his knee on his neck for eight minutes is cold-blooded murder. And that's what's that, nice. We so, all agree with that. Th- we do. But that, that did start the domino, but his now, resisting started But domino. Now, every single time, a white officer Shoots a black individual, you are calling it the George Floyd case, and that's that is just simply not, not true. true. Every situation is different. Is different, and it needs to be investigated.
1: And, and stop jumping on to it conclusions. So, yes, yeah,
3: stop jumping to conclusions. So, anyway, it's uh, it it just continues. It's going to get a lot worse. And like I said last week, everything that's going on right now is in anticipation of what's gonna happen on November 3rd, which uh, is not only my birthday, but unfortunately it's election day and we are either going to get three times worse than we are right now, or we're gonna get 10 times worse. And I'm sorry to be so negative because I'm usually a very positive person, but when you wake up November 4th, or when you see the swearing in ceremony on January 20th, we are not gonna be any better than we are today. Because whoever wins, it's just going to make things worse. And it's because of the way that these politicians do things. And I said it in the first segment, and I truly believe this. The politicians in this country, without using their hands, without using a weapon, have killed more people than any cop or any criminal. They're fanning the flames. in In the United States. And it is the just absolutely disgusting so um i don't even know what i'll say about that because uh it just is what it is the, the truth and the facts still matter and people push those aside because they're in an echo chamber they have their narrative they have, have their agenda and they're on the side of i hate this person and I love this person, and nothing else matters. And that is just no way to, to live. We're all Americans. We all have people who love us, people we love, and we have a goddamn right to live our lives safely, being protected, and being prosperous. And until all of us come together and get that through our heads, we're, we're, we're not going to make much progress. We will be right back.
0: More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. We'll be back right after this. I remember the moment.
2: moment. I'll never forget that moment. As long as I
0: live. As long as I live.
2: Several of us were working to rescue a family. The house collapsed on top of the cellar door and trapped them. We had to use Humvees and heavy machinery to move massive trees and debris. We got them out. We helped a lot of
0: people out. It felt good to know I could really make a difference.
2: Because I'm a citizen soldier in the National
0: Guard. Be there the moment your community needs you. Learn more at NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Arizona National Guard. Aired by the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station.
3: Move over, AZ. Arizona's move over law requires you to move over or slow down when you drive past any vehicle pulled over with flashing lights. Remember, every vehicle, every time.
0: Move over, AZ.
2: Sponsored by ADOT in partnership with the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this
0: station. You're listening to Badge Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Badge Boys.
1: Well, we got to bring things up. I tell you, that last episode, oh, man. And there's no better person to bring us up than Jason with this heroic headline. And you got another good one to do. Yeah, this,
3: is, uh, this one really struck me this week. An Alabama woman, woman donates a kidney to a police officer who locked her up. You know, I do a lot of my public speaking, and I'm uh, very big in the organ and tissue donation
1: understandably part
3: of the world i mean the gift of life is, is a beautiful thing
2: and i'm going to just step in for a second because i'm a living kidney donor so i will tell you it's not an easy ordeal to go through giving someone your kidney
3: it, wow it's Congratulations. Not, but it's no. kudos but, but it's amazing but, what but it, it matters gives. it gives it's them the life. Gi- yes. it's the gift of life yes a woman's kidney donation has saved the life of an alabama police saucer who put her in jail Joe Campbell officer Terrell Potter had locked up Jocelyn James several times as she battled an opioid addiction. She credits Potter, who is now retired, with helping her turn her life around. She has been sober for years. Last November, she found out through Facebook that Potter needed a kidney and he was expected to be on that transplant wait list for eight to nine years he might not have survived she said i threw my phone down the holy spirit told me right then that i had that man's kidney test confirmed that she was a perfect match and so she donated he locked her up not once several times she credits him with saving her life turning it around She is sober, she is living a good life, and then she pays it forward, pays it back, by saving his life. You cannot get any more poetic and beautiful than that right there. A criminal and a cop coming together later and both their lives are better because of the interaction that started out in a very, very bad way. So both of them, are my heroes, but especially Jocelyn, for just a simple understanding of being so thankful to a flea saucer for making her life better because I've always said, and Darren, you'll agree with this, even when you are arresting somebody at the time, you are helping them 100 percent I truly believe that you are helping them and for her to pay it forward by donating yeah, a kidney? Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, so, do that, man. Jocelyn, way to go. And I wish you a long and prosperous life with your sobriety, with your now only one kidney, and hopefully Officer Potter will be able to enjoy his retirement. So with that, Darren, please tell me about all... The shitheads in the country <laughs> for <from> this
1: week. <laughs> well, you know, you bring up a good point when you talk about when you wrestle someone, you're helping them many times, and we see this story play out over and over when officers truly care. It's not it's 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 personal to a point where they truly want to help. And when uh-huh. like prostitution and all these type of vices, uh, they really do care. We really, really do. And you see it play over and over with the people that have been arrested, uh, paying not just paying it forward, but saying thank you for helping me and intervening on my behalf. Let's uh, talk about intervening on someone's behalf. This is not so much as a stupid suspect story as a stupid school story. Uh, you know about the COVID-19, obviously, and they're doing Zoom training in school classroom. School calls cops on a 12-year-old boy who held a toy gun during the Zoom class. Yep, that's the headline. Isaiah Elliott, a 12-year-old boy who lives in Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, is fond of his neon green Nerf gun, which has the words zombie hunter written on it.
3: Hey, I'm fond of mine, too. Let's send him to Portland. Yes, I I I love The Walking Dead, and (laughs) I want to be a part of the fight.
1: I promise I will never call the police on you with that gun Uh, because the teacher did. The teacher called the police when she saw it for a couple of seconds and the kid wasn't even playing with it. He just kind of moved it. The teacher saw it on the Zoom call. She called police. The police went to this poor boy's home and said, I need to see your stupid green leaf gun. Yeah. So that really, really occurred. Uh, Then we go to from stupid schools to a Rioter. I'm, I'm sorry, I know this is not an appropriate word, but I'm sorry, I'm going to call this the retarded rioter story. A rioter in Wisconsin accidentally lit herself on fire. Uh, it's all on video during a quote-unquote protest, a riot, that had already led to at least one officer being injured in Kenosha. Um, the rioter was throwing uh, incendiary weapons at police, a.k.a. Molotov cocktails. Car- um, yeah, they were also jumping all over police vehicle smash yeah that is karma. karma and she absolutely lit herself on fire you can see the video i love it
3: as somebody who has caught on fire before that makes me very happy because i know the pain she suffered and she deserved every part. <laughs> what a
1: way to turn that around i, I love it and then the karma. last the last stupid uh, suspect story is again another writer so uh this one is just horrendous so i apologize a bom supporter beat a raccoon to death with a baseball bat to protest cops. So how does that protest cops? Well, Black Lives Matter supporter ran over a raccoon twice before beating it to death with a baseball bat in a horrific and truly senseless act of animal cruelty before posting a video online saying, quote, worry about police killing black people. And they're treating us like animals. Again, their rhetoric doesn't match their actions. What they the are hell? completely yeah, at confused. odds with so, each other.
3: It doesn't make sense. So, did the raccoon put his knee on George Floyd's neck? Is that is uh, uh, maybe that it was? I, it, maybe it was the uh, officer's uh, raccoon. Uh, maybe, it was officer's pet uh, raccoon. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah, not, maybe he has maybe some inside intelligence. Understand. Yeah. People dude. Seriously, you. Ron White, one of the greatest comedians ever, simply said it. You can't fix stupid. You can't. You, you can't.
1: cannot and, fix stupid. And you can't fix blind hatred. It, no. it doesn't make sense. And when they no. do this blind hatred, it makes no sense. So What the hell did the raccoon do to you? Thank you. Dude, how do you run over and beat a raccoon? And just... To make a statement that makes no statement,
0: (laughs) except (laughs) that you've just committed
2: a crime against an animal and you've captured it on video, which is now evidence. But but
3: listen, but they there'll be no prosecution. They'll get yes, and they'll get bonded out by the people who support them. And hey, please go do it again because you've made a great point. That's how the side believes. Oh my god, Jesus, Darren. That's yeah, that one is uh, the POS. Wow,
1: Um, so inspire us.
3: Bring us uh, up, please. Ew. All right, this week's inspirational story is about an eight year old who was afraid of law enforcement and formed a friendship with a South Carolina deputy. This happened in Kershaw County, South Carolina. An eight year old Lugoff child told his mom he was afraid of law enforcement. See, this is what the rhetoric and the news are doing to people. Ashton Williamson said her heart broke last week when her son, Gavin Williamson, said he was afraid to get pulled over by police. However, Williamson was determined to change that fear, and with the help of one Kershaw County deputy, she did just that. I felt kind of scared, nervous, I was afraid. Gavin Williamson said when he thought about the way he felt toward law enforcement before meeting Kershaw County Deputy Carrie Shelton last week. He said, Mommy, I don't want to get stopped because I'm scared of getting shot. The only way that an eight-year-old you guys can think in those terms is because of what they've heard by the media and our politicians. That is fucking insane and sick to me that an eight-year-old had that fear. Anyway, he said, I don't want to get shot. Williamson said they were driving in the car at the time. She told herself that the next police or deputy cruiser that they drove by, the next one, it didn't matter who was in there. She was going to pull over and have Gavin speak to that officer to make sure that whenever he does get to the point of getting pulled over, that he doesn't have to be fearful. I can't control what other officers do as he gets older, but I can start to make a difference Now, Deputy Shelton said when Williamson came over to his car and told him the story, he immediately stopped what he was doing and had a very important conversation. Told the whole story about him being scared, and she wants him to know that all cops are not bad cops. We have a lot of great cops, and I thought that it was cool that she did that. Deputy Shelton said that when a new friendship was formed, we got to talking about food. He offered me his rice, and it melted my heart, so I asked if I could give him a hug. From that point on, he has made it his duty to check on Gavin, converse with him, and just make sure that he is doing good. Gavin said now that he sees law enforcement in a different light and that Deputy Shelton taught him about bravery, a good cop because he protects people. And Gavin now has done a complete 180 and wants to grow up and become a fleece officer. And that is incredibly inspirational to me, incredibly powerful. I give the mom credit. And the best part of that story is she didn't have to call somebody and say, can you tell me who your best is or can you recommend you know, one of your supervisors or one of your community based police, Arbitrary. she said, I am going to the very, very next. next patrol car. I see because she knew that inside Cops that random car is going to be a the good, good cop, cop. And there was the and odds are is on the your point favor. of the world. Love it. So man. outstanding show today. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Darren, uh, as always, and uh, be safe. God bless. We'll see y'all next week. Match
0: boys. Thanks for listening to Badge Boys. (laughs) Stories, insights, guests, and true blue humor with retired police Sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Badge Boys, heard weekly and worldwide on Star Worldwide Networks and all mobile devices. Badge Boys.